Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. I want everybody to say always. I want to say everybody to say always. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about a thing. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he, all he, does, he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about that. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you hear from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. And so Paul penned those words to the Philippian church. And I just want to share a little bit about those verses, starting with verse number four. He says in some translations, rejoice and again, I say, rejoice. Now, the Philippian church was under some persecution. The Philippian church was not a real, um, what you would call, church that had a whole lot. But they were a church that was steadfast in the things. And there were people coming against them. Judaism was coming against them. The agnostics was coming against them. And Paul is pinning these words to the Philippian church. And what was Paul saying to the church then? And what is he saying to us today? He says again, I rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And that word rejoice means to, for you to have joy, to be cheerful calm in the matter in the in any type of circumstances you are in in any physical state you may be in and he says rejoice in what not in your pain not in your suffering not in your challenge not in your circumstances but rejoice in the Lord that's who we're rejoicing in I'm not rejoicing because I'm in pain. I'm not rejoicing because I'm facing challenges. I'm not rejoicing. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. So I want to ask you today. Let's examine that for a moment. Because he says rejoice in the Lord. And so I ask you today. What is your relationship with him? Maybe we can't rejoice because our relationship in him is weak. He says rejoice in the Lord. What is the depth of the relationship and how have you cultivated your relationship with him? 
You know, it's hard to be calm and cheerful in someone that you have no relationship with or weak relationship with. Paul the Apostle understood this, and he talked about this in chapter 1 of this same book. And Paul was pinning these words not from a lavish place, but from his place of imprisonment. Paul was not sitting on his lazy boy with fool all around him. Paul was in a dirty, dark prison, and he's encouraging the people outside of the prison. He's giving them a word of encouragement. And not only was Paul in prison, but I believe this man had a thorn in his flesh, which which he had asked God to remove it three times. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. I think Paul knew a a little bit about suffering. I think he knew a little bit about relationships that had changed on him when he came from persecuting the church to living for the church. There were those who did not trust him. There were those who did not like him. There were those who wanted to kill him. I believe Paul knew a little bit about it. And yet and still he pins these words, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. But I believe that he penned these words and he was able to say these things because of the relationship he had with Jesus Christ. For in chapter 1, he says this. He says How Christ will be magnified in his body, whether he lives or dies. How many of us can stand and say that? Whether I live or die, God will be magnified. And as a matter of fact, I also heard him say in that same chapter that my imprisonment is for the gain of the gospel. Because the very people who were imprisoning him said, whoa, wait a minute. This brother is not falling back. He's falling forward. This brother is not shutting up. He's speaking louder. And so people saw that and they were encouraged by that. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. How can you rejoice if you have no relationship with someone? For example, my wife and I, when we first got married, we were looking at each other like, and when difficult times came, we would go, I don't know about you. You going to be here? And she would look at me like, I don't know about you, bro. Maybe I better go back to what I already know. Because we didn't have that relationship, but as the years went on and the bond of relationship got stronger and we got to a place where we were facing financial difficulties because of some things that happened in our health and we were in a bind and we were facing the loss of our home, we looked at one another and we said, we go get through this. Why? Because we had a relationship with one another. So we can have faith and trust in each other. And yeah, we look to God. We pray to God. We ask God. We have faith in God. And we like kicked out of our home. 
But because I had a relationship with God, and because she had a relationship with God, and because we had a relationship with one another, we left our home, we went to another place, and we never stopped ministering. We didn't sit and wallow in our situation and our circumstances. We didn't shrink back, but we stepped forward. We said, God's got a new place for us to spread his gospel. And so we took to a, a, a neighborhood. We went to an apartment complex, and we took these hoods, and we started to shape them, and we started to mold them into the image of Christ. Why? Because of relationships. So when you say rejoice and you're sitting there, you're going, how can I rejoice? I'm, my body's in pain. How can I rejoice when I'm facing this? How can I rejoice because I just had a death? How can I rejoice because of my relationships are all in a mess? How can I rejoice? You're not rejoicing in that. You're rejoicing in him. Because you trust who he is. If you know him. Paul goes on to say in verse 5. I'm just trying to encourage you. Here he encourages us. To let people know. See our unselfishness. Regardless of what we're facing in life. You see in that situation. We could have grabbed up our things and we could have sat in our house and we could have sucked on our wounds and we could have blamed one another and we could have gone through all the things of why, why, and we could have asked God all of the different questions. But what we chose to do was say, God, we don't understand what's going on. God, we don't understand why it's going on. But God, show us where you're leading us. And that's what he's asking us. In the midst of your storm, who are you looking around to shape their life? Who are you ministering to? Or are you so self-absorbed with your own situation and circumstance that you can be no good to the kingdom of heaven? I challenge you today. Let your light shine. Don't hide it under a bush. Wake up tomorrow morning, no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance, and instead of dreading to go to work, be cheerful to go to work. No matter how, whether you got a good boss or a bad boss, no matter whether you have the Satan sitting right beside you in the cubicle next to you, rejoice because you say, hey, I have an opportunity to witness to Satan. Oh, I know some of y'all looking like, mm, I think I do have Satan sitting right beside me. But that's what Paul is saying. He's encouraging us. Get outside of ourselves. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. We have to stop worrying about the here and the now only. But we've got to look at the eternal. He's trying to help us, and I'm trying to help you today to get a view of life that takes you beyond yourself into a realm 
that allows you to be useful for the kingdom. Paul is saying we should be like Christ in verse number five also. He said we should be like Christ who disrobed himself. Heaven is a great place from all accounts that I hear about. And I don't know that if, you know, I was in a plush place like that, I'd be willing to say, go, go down where? Go down there. Do, do, do you know what's down there, Pop? Do you know what's down there, Pops? I mean, there's all hell down there. I got pretty good up here. But he didn't. He said, okay, taking it off. I'm going down with the wolves, dancing with the wolves. Yeah, I'm going down there. So he disrobed himself from all that he had. And he took on humanity. And he called himself a servant. And I believe there's a verse in the scriptures that says, for the joy, we're back to that word, set before him, he endured one of the most hard and one of the most punishing deaths there was in that time. The death of the cross. For the what? For the what? For the what? What are you willing to endure for the joy? What are you willing to take on for the joy? When we get outside of ourselves, because joy doesn't come from the outside, joy rises up from the inside. So I can have joy in the midst of a storm. I can have joy when all hell is breaking around me. I can have joy when my relationships are broken because my joy doesn't come from the things that I have, the status that I sit in, or the things that I have obtained. I believe Paul put it this way. He said, if anyone should rely on the flesh, it should be me. In verse 6 and verse 7, he says this, Paul says, uh, he tells us, he says, if anyone should, rely, should not rely on the flesh, he encourages us in this way. He says, it should be me. Because in, in chapter 3, he starts talking about all of his accomplishments. He starts talking about all of the things that he had done. He was born of the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised at age 8. He went to the best schools. He, he was uh, at the top of his class. He was a, a, a leader of leaders in the religious community. He had all of these things. And he said, what? I'll count it all as rubbish that I may gain. I believe he had a perspective that if we can get it, if we can just grab hold of it, if we can just lash our hands around it just a little, our lives will be much more joyful. 
we will walk in much more peace. I see and I talk to so many people. You know, uh, I, I, was, I was looking at an article and, and it says that Sunday night is one of the most ancient, anxious times in society. And it is a time where more people contemplate suicide because they're dreading what they have to face tomorrow. Now that don't happen in the Christian community. That don't happen, that don't happen in the Christian community, does it? It shouldn't. Because I hope it's not in our job. I hope it's not in our relationships. I hope it's in the Lord. And so what he's saying to us as I move on to verse 6 and 7. In verse 6 and 7, he says this. He says, be anxious for nothing. Now that word anxious, that word anxious speaks about not being tense, not being in fret, not being in worry. How many of us go around wringing our hands? Oh, my God. Oh, my. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen there? You know, I'm in a situation where I'm facing a situation right now. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold, but I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know what my future is going to be, but I know who holds my future. And so what he's saying to us in this is that, hey, don't be anxious. I've got people that I know, people that I'm ministering to that are having anxiety attacks. They're much younger than I am. And I'm like, 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 I'm I can't, I can't understand this. I'm having a trouble. I'm having a problem. And so I said, go get checked. They go to all the doctors. Doctors say, ain't nothing physically wrong with you. Now, doctors ain't always right. So he went back again. That's what the doctor said. Nothing's physically wrong with you. So why are you having these anxiety attacks? Something else going on. And I believe Paul was trying to help us be able to rejoice in our lives regardless of whatever is going on around us, regardless of what giant is facing us, just like that wall that he talked about a few minutes ago in that video, when you're hitting the wall, when you're facing the wall, think about those that he named in the video. Thinking about, think about, think about Moses standing before a whole sea with an army behind him and three million people looking at him. I can just imagine them something, bro, what you go do? You got us out here. You better do something. I know that. Or they won't they won't have to kill you. We go jump you. 
Now, I'm, I'm just being honest. If people were like we are today, they, they're, they're looking at him crosswise. And he said, bro, you better do something. And Moses is like, I guess just you and me, God, you better show up. What are you facing that when you look around, there's no one beside you? There's no one to encourage you. Hope in the Lord. That's what Paul is trying to tell us. That's what he's trying to help us with. We can hope in the Lord and him along and he'll get us through it. Because he will never leave us nor forsake us. So Paul is trying to help us. He's not trying to tell us to ignore our situation or our circumstance. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to tell you to pretend that it's not there. I'm not trying to tell you to stand up and say, oh, I, I, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. No, I, that's not what I'm asking you to do. But Paul gave us a, 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 a way. He says this, be anxious for nothing. But then he doesn't stop right there. He said, but in everything, by prayer. Mm -hmm. In everything, you better drop to your knees. Oh, Lord. And I ain't talking about, oh, Lord, can you help me? As Harvest taught about us, taught us, he's talking about in supplication. Supplication ain't just sitting on your knees going, oh, Lord, would you please help me through this situation, sir? Supplication is when you better have a, a, a box of Kleenexes. Because you're going to be all snotty nose, and you're crying out. And you're just thrusting yourself before the Lord. And you're really bringing it. You're bringing it with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your mind. You're bringing it to the Lord. And you're saying, God, if you don't show up, I don't know what's going to happen. God, if you don't show up, nobody else will. He's talking about taking it to God and placing it in his hands. I believe the Lord says, cast your cares upon me, but of course I care for you. And so that's what he's talking about. He says what? He says in prayer and in supplication with thanksgiving. Don't wait till you see it to thank him. If you trust him, you can thank him once you've talked to him. If you trust him, if you trust him, just like I trusted him. Years ago, I trusted him. My company called me and said, you about to lose your job. I said, all right. All right. That's cool. My heart's going boom, 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 boom. Like, okay. I got to go home and tell the missus. I said, that's cool. Just keep you calm. And I said to them right there in that room, y'all not my source. I wasn't being, I, I wasn't bragging. I wasn't bragging. I wasn't bragging. I was just being real. Because see, you got to understand it. There's fact and then there's truth. Truth always trumps fact. Fact. 
And all I was doing was speaking the truth, though I was facing the facts. Because truth always trumps facts. And so when he says give thanks to him, he's saying you thank him because truth always trumps the facts. And though your situation is something like this or something like that, the truth is, is that God is on your side. And if God be for you, huh? If God be for you, huh? Yeah. If God be for you, he, he's more than the world against you. I think that's a reason why we can stand up from our place of supplication and genuinely thank the Lord. So he says, thank the Lord because you've already let your request be known to him. And if you know him, then you trust him. And if you trust him, then you leave it with him. I'm your child. You got this, God. I don't have to worry about it. I can do my little dance. I can do my little jig. I can be all right because God's got it. That's not a, just a phrase in my life, but that's the truth for my life. God's got it. People look at me sometimes, and I think they think I got it all together. I ain't got it all together. Just because I'm not wringing my hands and looking all crazy. They think, oh, man, this dude's so cool. Come, like, God must have did, did everything. He got it all. I'm, mm. No, but I trust him. I trust him. I've been around long enough to know that he can deliver you from anything. Read the Psalms. Every time David got into a situation, he said, oh, why is my soul disquieted? And then he said, hope in the Lord. He remembered the Lord. When he came back from Ziglag and all of his people were looking at him like, they got my wife while I was out trying to help you accomplish something. You better do something. And they was like, y'all supposed to be with me. And they like, mm-hmm, we'll get you right now. Because they got our wives and our children. We've been out there working hard. You do something. David didn't hope in them. He went into the temple. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, I'm about to close, and I hope this is helping you. I hope this is helping you get a perspective outside of you, but get a perspective of who God is and what he is able to do, but most of all, how much he cares for you. Because God doesn't care for me anymore. He doesn't care for me anymore than he cares for you. His love is the same for all of us. Let me wind up this way. We must take our focus off of external things and accomplishments. You know, the house that I live in, I tell my wife all the time, it's just a tool. The car that I drive, it's just a tool. 
I came out my a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago. Somebody had took a, something and keyed my car. And I walked out and I went, all right. And I got in my car. And I drove home. My wife came out and she looked at my car. She said, somebody keyed your car. I said, oh. I'm going to do about it now. Now, a few years ago, I would have called up my boys. And we would have went on a hunt. But not now. It's just a tool. Your job is just a tool. Your business is just a tool. Couple about a month ago, got a phone call. One of my closest aunts had passed. I said, okay. I'ma miss her. I'm a little bit envious of her. Cause she's in glory. And I'm still down here dealing with these folks. Yeah, I'm saying something else. But though I miss her, I'm not miserable because she's gone. Because I know as long as I'm here, it's something to be done. And I told her daughters, I told each one of her daughters. I said, the way you can remember and honor your mother the most is keep going. Keep going. Do what she would have wanted you to do. Don't worry, don't fret. God's got it. Hope in the Lord. Final thing here in verse 8 and 9. What are you putting your focus on? It says, finally, whatever things are true. Are you focusing on truth or fact? Whatever things are noteworthy or noble. Some translations it says, Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. If you wake up in the morning, you say, oh boy, it's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a bad day. But if you wake up in the morning, it says, oh, it's raining outside. Glory to God. Somebody needed it. Your day will be totally different. Some of y'all need to turn off the news. Because the news is ruining your perspective about who God is and what your purpose is. And you're wringing your hands about all of the violent things that are going on in the world. And people ask me all the time. I used to have a, a receptionist where I used to work. And she, she would come in and she would go, oh, my God, did you hear? Keith, did you hear what happened? I was like, no, tell me. She said, somebody died. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. 
That happens every day. And I'm sorry for it. And I have compassion towards the family that lost him. But don't you get all anxious. Don't start getting all fretful because these things are happening. Because the Lord has already told us it's going to happen. What are you focusing on? What are you keeping your eyes on? And it says here, keep your eyes on the Lord. Because some of you are missing God's way of hand answering your prayer. Because your focus is not on him, it's on what's ever going on in your life. Because God has a multiplicity of ways of answering our prayers. That home that we lost... Less than two years later, mind you, we had gone through bankruptcy and foreclosure. Less than two years later, he gave us a house twice the size, the home that we live in. And I almost missed it because I was looking at the things around me. Because an individual came to me and he said this to me. He said, hey, bro. Come here, he said. Hey, bro, I need to talk to you about my house. And I'm thinking, I just went through bankruptcy and foreclosure. There's no way that I can be able to buy a house. I said, so I don't even really want to talk to this dude. I hadn't seen this dude in like 10 years. And he came to me a second time, he says. I'm like, God, are you trying to tell me something? Because this ain't the way I planned it out. This ain't the way that I thought it would come. And so I decided to take a chance. And me and my wife went. And we said, yeah, okay. And that was God's way. In less than two years of foreclosure and bankruptcy, we bought a home. And the interest rate was not sky high. It was very low. God can do anything. Stop looking at your circumstances around you and start looking up at the one who cares for you. Because you may be missing your blessing. You may be missing your answer because your eyes are focused on the wrong thing. So if you're here today, maybe you're going through something, and maybe you hit that wall, and hopelessness is starting to creep in. Come on, Pastor. Maybe you hit that wall, and maybe hopelessness is starting to creep in. Don't be ashamed to admit it, because the first thing in getting your healing it's not denial, but acceptance. And so today, I don't want you to miss God. So if you're here today, and maybe you just need 
the Lord to open your eyes so you can see where your help is coming from. So you can see the way that God chooses to heal you or that God chooses to rescue you or God chooses to mend that situation and that relationship. If that's you, lift your hand up. If that's you, lift your hand up. And today, God is willing and ready to meet you. And I'm praying that he will open up your eyes. That you'll be able to see. I'm praying that he will do you like Elisha had to do his servant Gehazi. Gehazi couldn't see all of those that were for him because he was too busy looking at those who were against him. And Elijah said, he, Elijah asked the Lord to open his eyes that he may see the host of angelic hosts that were surrounding them. And then he got perspective that more are those who are with us than those who are against us. So if you're here today, want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. So everybody stand up. That's the door. Come on. Lift up your hands to the Lord. We're going to sing this song. He's going to do it again. How many believe he's going to do it again? You know, while Pastor Keith was speaking, I heard the Lord say this. And this is prophetic. Well, I feel the Holy Spirit here. The opposite of rejoicing. If the, if the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, the opposite of rejoicing is discouragement. And there's people today that have not been able to rejoice, says the Lord. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord strongly saying, if you've been battling any type of discouragement, it's an onslaught to the key of rejoicing that God wants to give you. If you are battling or have battled any type of discouragement lately, I want you to get out of your seats and present yourself before the Lord right now and say like Paul the Apostle said while he was in prison, rejoice in the Lord and again I'll say rejoice. If he did it before, he'll do it again. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Get out of your seats. If you need encouragement, if you need to rejoice again, come here and present yourself to the Lord. Come on, let's worship one last time. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.